lot of discussion now about um, the rise of the feminine versus, you know, you know, very corporate America being masculine and, um, you know, having been, you know, a woman that operated in a, a very masculine structure, the feminine side is really that creation side. That is that going within, that is that envisioning, that is that quiet process to really feel into something. Um, so it's really interesting, like how we've really tried to force things to happen. So Jeff, when you talk about, you know, the, the, you know, the senior leadership or the executive leadership, I think they're just still operating in that very austere masculine way and not really embracing um, what we're truly talking about, which is soul intelligence. And sometimes for the individual, that means they're going to have to make a choice. Do I still try and stay and operate here? Or do I make a different decision and find a place that really resonates with me and my values and my vision and my purpose? And I think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing today. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. I'm so excited to be back here with episode 109 and our very special guest, Christine Klein. The title today is Tapping Into Your Soul Intelligence. That's right, soul intelligence. Tools for you to enhance your leadership, engagement, and impact. Christine is the founder of Game Changing Impact Group, and it is all about helping leaders and organizations enhance their performance, their consistency, and their alignment. And in doing so, building that ever-elusive engagement with our team, and everyone involved in creating these outcomes for our clients and customers. And yes, we're going to talk today about soul intelligence. That may be a new concept for you, but it's going to be a powerful conversation and a different way to look at not only your leadership, but the ways you show up and interact with everyone around you. It will indeed be a game-changing episode. Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. So today my word is intrigued. Today I am intrigued because our special guest is Christine Glein, Glein like wine. I love that she made it easy for me and made it fun for me because we're going to talk today about soul intelligence. And most of you have probably never heard the concept or thought about it or have preconceived notions of it, but we're going to talk about it in the context of leadership and specifically business leadership. Christine is a conscious leadership coach. And she worked with executives and senior leaders to transform their managers into game-changing leaders, resulting in increased performance, consistency, and alignment with the best version of themselves. So, you know, it's easy to look at this and say, oh, this is the the woo-woo. No, this is the real, real. This is the real, real difference-making way to look at leadership. So we're going to talk today, again, about soul leadership. Christine Glein, fascinating background. In her past, she was a turnaround specialist working in the corporate world of higher education for 25 years, which was a lot about processes, but it still came back to streamlining people, processes, and all the other pieces that go into 
high performance, and high execution. So mm -hmm. we're gonna have a great conversation with Christine as we dive deep into soul intelligence. So welcome, Christine. Well, thank you both for having me. I'm really excited to share with you. Um, I'm, I'm a leadership junkie um, all the way. <laughs> Uh, I'm a super fan. I love what you guys do, and I'm delighted to have the opportunity to finally be a guest. Great. Glad awesome. to have you. So, Christine, give us a little bit of the, put some meat on the bones of that background story. Oh, uh, what would you like to know first? Well, I guess the thing I'd like to know is <laughs> you were a turnaround <laughs> specialist. Yes. Which can a lot of people view as just a high-intensity, pure business execution mindset. And now you're this conscious leadership coach, all about soul <laughs> intelligence. It feels like there's sl a small transition there. Slightly, yeah. Um, well, um, obviously, um, you know, when I was in, uh, I left corporate America about a year ago um, in March, you know, during um, right, right before COVID hit, actually, um, in early March. And um, really, my whole focus was uh, streamlining people, process, and technology. And really, if you think about it, it is finding about, you know, where energy is flowing, where it's stuck, what needs to move, <laughs> what needs to shift, okay? Um, and so um, there was actually, you know, some foundational work um, through my whole career to really help me understand this concept of soul intelligence that I'm going to share with everybody. Um, but in essence, it's, it's getting people aligned to be the best ver version of themselves. You know, and as I uh, talk to CEOs, you know, who doesn't want someone that is totally aligned with the mission, the vision, their values, their purpose, and lit up from the inside out? Mm -hmm. When you have people that intrinsically motivated, they will run through the fire for you. Um, and so who doesn't want a whole, you know, company full of people ignited like that? You know, I know sometimes turnaround specialist gets the bad rap, right, Jeff? Um, you know, being, you know, Molly Hatchet or something, you know, getting rid of people. Um, but that Neutron Jack. Wasn't, <laughs> exactly. Um, truly wasn't my style. Um, you know, my style was really to um, what I would call, um, you know, in my game changing index speak, a game changer polisher. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what the game changing index is. Um, it's a, um, a tool that I use, an assessment tool at the beginning of any engagement that really lets me know where someone naturally invests their energy, where they make the biggest impact in their company. Um, and um, being a game changer, uh, essentially, is somebody that's always focused on innovation. And being a polisher is someone that has this healthy sense of dissatisfaction that's looking for continuous improvement. Hmm. So when you put both of those things together, you know, I was really well suited to do that work, you know, and then, of course, when everything's working and functioning, I want to move on to the next place. Right. Because everything's great. What do you need me for? Totally. Um, but the, the game changing index is a really cool tool out of um, the UK. And it was developed because um, a company hired this research firm to figure out where the game changers are. They needed innovators. And what they found was there are actually five different kinds of game changing, like people who can make game changing impact. And um, so I actually became certified with this company. They call us GCologists, which is kind of cool. Um, and it allows me to really assess, you know, where someone will have the greatest impact in the organization, their approach to leadership, how they're creative and innovative, how they can engage and influence other people you know, how they get things done, what kind of an organization they might thrive in and how you would work 
best in a team and who compliments you. And there's about 100,000 different possible reports. And the reason why I love this tool is because it, it doesn't have anything to do with your personality. It has nothing to do with your communication style or disc profile or any of the other things that we've used over the years. It really shows you where you are naturally focused and what lights you up. So it's a great springboard. Sounds amazing. Christine, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do some work right now in this moment because <laughs> I want to dive deep into the game changing index. I have a dozen yeah. questions, and I want to set a foundation first. Talk a little bit about soul intelligence. Okay. You know, we've all heard the last ten or 15, 20 years about emotional intelligence or EQ. Yep. You're saying SQ. So give us that foundation piece of what what exactly is soul intelligence. Awesome. I would love to. So um, I guess the best place to start is what the, the place we're all most familiar, which is IQ, right? The, the, you know, we all have to have the smarts, um, have, you know, ideas, you know, intellect, everything starts um, in our brains. But when you figure that we only use our cognitive mind only uses 5% of our brain, which is frightening, right? <laughs> Yeah. That means that like all of the decision making, everything we really put How in. How are we even here? I know, right? How that we number, function? there should be an oblivion. We're lucky to be here. I would love to tap into the other 95% personally. Exactly. Um, that's, that's a great um, question. Uh, it's your subconscious mind. So that's what's frightening. So the subconscious is that part of us that is, um, you know, constantly talking in our heads when we're not really consciously using our brains. So everything that's got like negative energies, emotions, thoughts, self-limiting beliefs, repeating self-destructive patterns, and it's usually on repeat, right? Um, that's what's operating most of the time. It's actually what takes over when we're sleeping. Um, and that's why you can have some really crazy dreams. Not that I want to go there right away, but uh, <laughs> we definitely have, you know, when you, when you start talking about IQ, that's an easier concept for us to get, you know, and as Jeff mentioned, then we kind of move into EQ. We realize that it's not just what we're saying, it's how we're saying it, you know, and we needed um, heart-centered leaders, people that are focused on um, emotion and what are people going through and yeah. really getting to know their people, right, a as a way to be able to um, engage them as a leader. And both of those things are super important. Um, but what really um, takes takes into effect is when when their SQ is engaged, when their soul intelligence is engaged. And what that means is they are really uniquely aligned to their own mission, vision, values and purpose. And when you can tie those things to the company's mission, vision, values and purpose, then you're hitting a home run and a grand slam all at the same time. Right. It's. Um, that's when you're really hitting it out of the park. So it's how do we get to that? How do we get to that level? Um, and so when I talk a little bit, I don't know if we can go here this deep this quick, but when we talk oh, about, yeah, yeah? Okay, quantum, okay, quantum physics. So everything starts with an idea, the idea, all right, in your head. And that is the electric part in the electromagnetic field, okay? So I think we were talking about somebody's son was studying rocket science or something or my nephew <laughs> is an aerospace engineer. Aerospace engineering. Okay. Right in that neighborhood. Um, and so everything starts right with that idea. That's the electric part of the electromagnetic field. And then what magnifies or brings things into form is the emotions. Um, and that's what 
So even though the secret had half of it right, if you guys remember the book, The Secret um, from the early, early 2000s, mm -hmm. it was all about say positive affirmations. Well, that's part of it. But if you don't actually feel it and believe it, mm -hmm. it doesn't manifest. That's where totally. it falls apart. So like your physical body really is this emotional barometer. Um, and everybody and everything is energy, right? We know that from seventh grade science class. So it stands to reason that energy can get stuck in people, places, or things, and it can get stuck <laughs> in your mental, emotional, or physical body. And wow. if it gets stuck long enough, it can cause dis-ease within your body. Um, and if, if you, know, you really start diving deep, that's really everything is some form of stuck emotion. That's typically the root cause of just about anything that goes wrong in your physical body. It's just been stuck there so long that it's now starting to wreak havoc. Stuck nouns. Yeah. So let me, yeah. Let me separate, so, separate this question. So sure. I, I love this idea and I'm going to give you a specific example. Okay. People love to talk about emotional intelligence today mm -hmm. and it feels to me like it's inadequate. And I'm thinking soul intelligence is the, is the body that fits this. Things mm -hmm. like my ability and willingness to be self-aware, to self-regulate, to learn about my, for example, learn about my triggers, learn the source of my triggers, understand them so I can minimize or eliminate them. A lot of people, when I talk about it, say, oh, oh, yeah, 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 that's the emotional intelligence. I say, no, no, because when I look at emotional intelligence, it doesn't address those things. Emotional intelligence feels more, there's a depth to it, but it feels like it's more tactical in learning how to interact with people differently versus fundamentally changing myself. Yeah, so can it's you great. Talk more about that. Absolutely. It's almost like you read my um, Facebook Live um, outline for the week, Jeff. <laughs> um, I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually doing um, a session that I call um, "Disco the Drama Out of Your Life." Um, <laughs> nice. so i'm really going old school there you go um so there there's a coaching model that really kind of speaks to this which is uh which the model's called disco but most people stay stuck in the story the drama right that's where like all the emotion and the swirl and the first place they want to go is the solution right that's the s in the model they want to fix it they want to just put a band-aid over the pain it sucks i don't want to deal with this anymore the next level is the C, which is the choice. And this is where soul intelligence comes in. It's who do you choose to be in the situation? Am I going to be the best version of myself? Am I going to choose to be, um, you know, that um, leader that is like wise and, and calm and goes to the next level, which is what's called opportunity, the O, um, and really see the opportunity for learning? Right. Because all of life, whatever happens to us, life is happening for us, not to us, meaning even we don't learn from the round corners. We learn from the sharp edges. So if you can get out of the story, go a little past solution and drop into choice, your solution might change because you're going to see this as an opportunity for learning in some way. Is it is it an opportunity for you to step out as that heart centered leader? Is it an opportunity for you you know, to set a boundary what is really going on and is this a pattern that's repeating in your life and it just happens to be reflected in your work environment cool so it's well, kind of like have, a roundabout we get to we get to hit on those points several times until we finally figure out our direction yeah yep definitely definitely could be seen that way but yep. i want to close the loop i didn't hear the sure. i in disco 
Oh, well, you can use your intuition. It's sort of like uh, DSCO, right? You kind of got to blur the lines a little bit. I thought you were just using a pun when you said intuition. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to make sure I didn't miss it. You know, the... No, you didn't. It's kind of you slur your words when you say disco, but disco. yeah. Well, yeah. I think you're right. It is fascinating the degree to which, and I'm big on story in the sense of I think storytelling is important in building some relationships and connections and getting to know each other. I think that's where story matters. I think I have stories in my head that I need to <laughs> yeah. rewrite, all that kind of storytelling. But in in our lives, it's interesting how much time we spend telling the story of situations and how I realized we actually believe that the more times we tell the story, somehow things will change because you'll say, well, have we moved towards solutions? Well, we've been talking about this for months. Yeah. You've been telling the story about this for months. And I, I, it's interesting how I've noticed when people tell the story of a situation, they actually think they're working on it Yeah, because they told the story over and over and over. And, it's just a really interesting awareness of the degree that we love the safe or the comfort of story. It's amazing how much in the mastermind Mondays that Jeff and I would run, um, people would tell their stories. You know, they'd take a good five minutes talking about their story, but they never really got to the core of it and just said, okay, this is what I'm facing. This is what I'm feeling about it. I need help. Well, yeah, we all get caught up in it, right? The he said, the she said, the plot, you know, emotion is what's evoked during any good movie. It's what moves us, right? It's what we cling to. So even people who say they don't like drama tend to actually get caught up in it sometimes, right? Um, and that's one of the reasons why unwanted drama can really be draining. Um, and, and it can really play, a, a but on the bright side, it actually plays a critical leading role in your life, right? Um, if we didn't have the drama, we'd miss out on a lot. Um, but you know, um, it really is like the struggles can help evoke your passion. Right. And, um, we really need the drama to wake us up out of the day to day and get us to pay attention. So, um, I think, I think that's part of the, the good in the drama, um, if we can find that, but I think it's really kind of, um, you know, getting to that level where you're not stuck in it. And you're not immediately just trying to solve the pain without really thinking about, you know, what choice are you going to make in terms of who you're going to be um, and, and what opportunity is there? You know, is it an opportunity to break a repeating pattern or shed an old story or rid yourself of a self-limiting belief? It could actually be to discover your true purpose or ignite your passion or, you know, or live out your divine mission. That's really interesting. As you were talking about this, you, you mentioned, you know, leading actors and then it made me just think about, okay, what about life as a movie? And, you know, mm. I love movies. And when you think about that, you know, who are the leading actors? Who are the supporting actors? What scenes am I in? What's the plot of my story? And when we create, when we co-create that movie, it's, it becomes very different. And if we look at it from that perspective, we can kind of step outside of ourselves a little bit and maybe see, okay, maybe this is a horror story that I don't really want to go through. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible. It's quite yeah. possible. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's interesting when you look, you know, as a turnaround specialist, you know, part of my job was to find the repeating patterns, right? Yeah. What are those self-limiting actions or processes that we continue to do just because we've oh. always done it that way, right? 
So um, I know I've kind of taken us like on this like life ride, but um, when you start thinking about it in terms of your work, you know, that's where we spend the bulk of our time. And so what things are there, you know, helping us kind of shape who we are, not only as people, but as leaders. Hmm. Let me ask back to the work piece. You talked several times about mission and vision and alignment, mission, vision, purpose. Mm -hmm. The thing that comes immediately to mind is this. I heard you talking in the context of helping individuals get aligned, in line with themselves, and then in line with the organization's mission, vision, purpose. Mm-hmm. I have found that many organizations have these, but they're not actually aligned. Mm. So if you've got that, do you then do you start with the organization to help them get clear first? Before you, I mean, how do you align individuals with something that's still not really clear or not being lived? I love that question. (laughs) So um, one of the areas that I focus on, because I do work with um, within companies, typically, as you you mentioned in the beginning, you know, I try and I, I work with senior and executive leaders on talking to them about their management layer, right? That individual contributor that got promoted. Um but then it was sink or swim time because we really didn't have time to invest in them. And now we're wondering why they're inconsistent, right? I hear Craig laughing, (laughs) nodding. Um, Totally. Yeah, right? Um, And so I realized that layer in particular is the one that that got the least amount of attention. And so then we're wondering, well, why are we out of alignment or why isn't this working? Um, And so, um, yes, to answer your question, Jeff, you really do have to start with senior and executive leadership to make sure those things are real, right? A lot of people thought culture was really like this cool environment that we put together, right? You know, we got ping pong and we've got mini golf and we've got fridge, you know, with full of beer and but yeah. Okay. So it's stuff, but it's not actually living and embodying what right. you put down and you believe, right? Great, great point. Yeah. And so now, since we're all working from home, who cares about that stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Can't play ping pong anyway. Yeah, but it's really actually brought up, like, how do you embody this culture, you know, remotely? Well, it has to come from the individual. And it's really interesting because I've studied engagement um, and intrinsic motivation and what, what, what gets people lit up. And today, you know, yes, the external rewards are important. We all want to be paid. We all want to get bonuses. We all want to have great benefits. But what really lights most people up today is actually feeling motivated by their work. Mm, Yeah. And we're seeing so many millennials walk away from jobs today, in particular, they're the largest, you know, segment of the workforce now, um, but walk away from those jobs because they want to do something that's more impactful. They want to go work for you know, an impact company that's focused on, you know, solar energy or, um, you know, wind power or things like that. It's got to, it's got to resonate with them. So I actually really think we're starting to make a shift. And if there was anything really good about COVID, I think that helped people take a step back and go, oh yeah, this is what's really important to me. So it's interesting as you look at where you were as a turnaround specialist. And as I look at it, I, I would say, Oftentimes we'd go in and we'd think about, let's change the strategy. Let's change the, the, you know, the business model behind that. But what I've come to realize is, is really so much more about the people. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to say, you know, percentage wise, how much of the, the change that you do to turn around a company is getting the people side right versus the other stuff? 
Um, I got to tell you, it's most of it, right? The old 80-20 rule. I mean, honestly, it's mostly people. And it's not always that you have the wrong people. It's you have great player, wrong position. Yeah, totally. Right? Like it's it's like rearranging who should be where, doing what. Mm -hmm. And then certainly making sure that the processes support you know, mm-hmm. both the business and the the customer or the client, right? That's usually where there's the greatest disconnect. Yeah. Um, it might work great internally, but externally the clients hate it, or it works great for clients, but it's causing havoc internally. It's mm-hmm. usually that that needs to flow a little bit better. Gotcha. Um, and technology can support that, um, but that tended to be one of the, you know, last, like, yes, it's a great supporting factor because there's so much cool technology out there, um, but that used to be the last piece. We had to get the people right, align processes, and then introduce technology mm-hmm. sort of in that order, typically. Gotcha. Yeah, you don't want to automate something that's not working well. <laughs> right, um, unless you're like on MS-DOS or something, and we really yeah, right. need some homework here, but, um, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting when you talked about the generational difference, because I was thinking yesterday I did a workshop on Zoom and I try, I, I really do work not to assume too much about what I see reactions, but I was noticing, because a lot of what I talked about are these kinds of things, this people mm-hmm. side, yeah. and different ways to look at engaging people. A big topic was trust. And what I noticed was the people that seemed most enthused were the younger, the clearly younger people. Mm-hmm. Like they're just, yeah, 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 yeah. And the the generation of that I would say are probably 50 and older. I was wa- just seeing their visible reaction was just kind of. That was it. That silence was it. That was it. And I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. And, and I, then they may, they may just be getting indifferently, but it's interesting that I noticed that yesterday based upon some generational differences that What's I it? make up is about openness and desire. Maybe they've worked on their poker face. Yeah. So what's really interesting, you know, in in my leadership program, um, one of the things that we talk about is what are your core values, Mm. right? What is important to you? Um, And time and time again, the number one thing that comes up is trust and transparency in their in their managers, right? Um, We still know that's the number one reason why somebody leaves a job, right? It's it's their immediate supervisor, their manager. And what's also, to your point, um, Jeff, is engagement is really a big buzzword right now. Um, And the stats show that you have about 13% of your people rowing the boat like crazy, right? They're doing all the the heavy lifting, all the rowing. You got about 7% that are doing everything possible within their power to sink your boat. And then the rest of us in the middle, right, 80%. They're just sitting on the boat. They're along for the ride. They're not really engaged. And so we have to figure out how do we get more of the 80% to be excited to row that boat, right? Um, And I think that's really the paradigm shift that we're looking at. And I do think there is something to the generations about it. Yeah, and throw a few people overboard. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, preferably in the 7%. What, you're not paddling? Jump, (laughs) walk the plane. The hardest hardest thing is, is to figure out who really is that 80%, right? Yeah. Um, And and those are the people that we're trying to get to, I mean, at least through the soul intelligence path. Like if I can, you know, and it's funny because it reminds me of when I talk to, especially um, younger managers, right? 
they get this job and they're focused on what I call the noise, right? It's the, oh, I got these reports I got to look at. I have all these meetings I got to go to and emails and Slack and all this stuff I've got to answer. And they forget about why they're a manager, right? The team development. Preach it. (laughs) Yeah, right? And so then when they go to focus on the team, they're focused on the bottom the bottom 10% or the bottom third, right? Yes. Oh, I got to get these people that aren't performing to performance perform. improvement plans. Right. Only for the people who are underperforming. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so what happens is they focus all their attention there. They ignore the high achievers who need all the love and attention. So the high achievers start slacking back, but they don't care. And who they should be focused on are their murky middlers that they could get to be high achievers. Murky middlers. Right. As opposed to, you know, the, the bottom third, because when they focus there, it pulls everybody else down. Yeah. Right. So it's really trying to get people to focus their time and attention on the right portion um, of their people yeah. and, well, and, and who's most likely, you know, to move in that direction. And that's where the game changing index could come in to help. Mm-hmm. It, could, it could help identify who on your team is naturally one of those five proclivities that can really, really help you um, move things across. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Welcome back. So, Christine, my experience has been that where we find these challenges, nearly always the challenges are with the senior leaders. Mm. They either they either are not doing, they're not modeling what they say they want, right? Okay. Or they don't actually believe in it, but they've been told it, so it's going to be for them. Mm. Um, because I mean, that's, I'm seeing that constantly. And that's what I'm hearing from the 80%. You know, I, I heard, I posted something the other day, someone who was on one of the uh, program that Craig and I did, she sent me a separate email and said, my struggle is I'm going to my supervisor and regularly saying, help me grow. Here's the things I want to grow in. I'm very committed to growth. And I am literally being told, don't worry about that. Just do your job. Ouch. Ouch. Craig, I think we said that exactly the same time. But to me, it's easy to say that supervisor is an outlier, Mm. but I expect he or she isn't actually. Yeah. I suspect that that's the culture of the organization. And we have, Craig and I have talked with other guests. Like, for example, how often do people now make a decision about a promotion or even a hire that says, let's look at how how well do they do at developing people? Do we even ask, ask the question? Everybody's telling me, no, they don't even ask me that. We don't talk about that. They look at performance and we, you're a high performer. We're going to elevate you. Yeah. Yep. So are you, what are you finding in terms of the challenge? Where the issue is senior leadership. Well, that's really interesting. Um, I've been very fortunate. Uh, the, the 
teams that I've been working with, um, I actually have had senior leadership involved. And so it's kind of cool because I work, I typically have been working with the senior leadership or the executive team first to set the foundation and then bring it across to the management level. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also um, gotten, you know, the, the people that I talk to are senior and executive leadership who are looking for their next level manager to become senior leaders, right? So they're at least recognizing what's important and, and that they, they actually are responding. So it's really, I think I've been fortunate. Um, I, haven't, I haven't come into the same, I haven't um, started working for clients where I've got this big disconnect right now, which is exciting to me. <laughs> That's really difficult, Jeff. Um, but ideally, you know, to really be able to help, you're going you're gonna to want to make sure that everybody really is in alignment with those values. And if you don't have, you know, both the top and the bottom in alignment, yeah, eventually that company is going to really wobble and struggle. So let me ask the question a little different way, because it's a, an additional question. Okay. We're talking about all these companies, and you nailed it. The statistics on engagement are pretty poor. Mm -hmm. Dismal. That would tell me that there's got to be a reason for that. Well, it's usually a do as I say, not as I do reason, right? Well, that's what I'm saying, because in yeah, that case, senior leadership is not really modeling it, because they know what to do, but they're not doing it. You know, we know... It's, it's, it's like um, personal development. Our prior guest earlier this morning was talking about everybody knows what to do. Mm. There's obstacles to actually doing it. Everybody knows how to lose weight. Everybody knows how to prioritize. Everybody knows how to, you know, they know how to do that. There's a, there's a, it's not a complex process, but the process is getting all the obstacles out of the way. Right. Which to around. me is the soul intelligence. Yeah. Right. You have to choose to be that person. You have to choose to operate totally. from the best version of you, right? Or even spend a little time in your, what you would envision as your future self, which is mm, an exercise yes. that I do with my clients, right? Great exercise. So that, yeah, that you see it, you feel it, you embody it as if it's already happened. Yep. Right? And then you start moving towards it. And then you can and already have that, those feelings. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go for it, Craig. I was going to say, then, then you can already have those feelings before it actually happens, which draws you into actually making it happen. Absolutely. You know, it's something I call inside out problem solving. Yeah, so right. trust me, I am great at data-driven decisions like anybody else. I'm going to look at reports. I'm going to review performance. But the other thing I'm going to do before I go ahead and necessarily make a decision is actually um, envision what it would be like if, you know, I made that outcome. Um, and then envision if I took a slightly different direction and really feel sort of that resonance in my body. What rings true? Which is the one that feels right, feels the best? Because sometimes your report's going to give you an answer, but you know that there's other factors involved. And I think you have to, you know, like we say, marketing is a, is a combination of art and science. I, I also think sometimes with decision making, it's a combination of art and science. You really have to use both sides. And I think it's been challenging, you know, there's a lot of discussion now about um, the rise of the feminine versus, you know, you know, very corporate America being masculine and, um, you know, having been, you know, a woman that operated in a, a very masculine structure, the feminine side is really that creation side. That is that going within, that is that envisioning, that is that quiet process to really feel into something um, so it's really interesting, like how we've really tried to force things to happen 
So Jeff, when you talk about, you know, the, the, you know, the senior leadership or the executive leadership, I think they're just still operating in that very austere masculine way and not really embracing um, what we're truly talking about, which is soul intelligence. And sometimes for the individual, that means they're going to have to make a choice. Do I still try and stay and operate here? Or do I make a different decision and find a place that really resonates with me and my values and my vision and my purpose? And I think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing today. So let's go back. I think so many people are talking about engagement. Let me go Mm -hmm. back and reframe it with this additional layer. I like to try and simplify things because if it's so complex, it's hard to know where to start. So I look at the engagement challenge and say, simplistically, there's three issues that are happening from a leadership perspective. One is the leadership doesn't care or doesn't believe in the right, what they've been told of how to do it. There's, okay. so there's, it's pretty much, yeah, that's not it. We're not doing it. The <laughs> other is, I don't know how to do it. I really want to do it. I don't know how to do it, or I need help doing it. Third is, I think I'm already doing it, so it must be them. <laughs> I'm curious, in that realm, are you seeing patterns in your work? Mm. And how do you address them differently? And maybe some of the, I mean, I'm guessing if you're like me, the one that says, I don't care about that, that's not going to be a long discussion. Right. That, yeah, right. They're not engaging us. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I need, I need someone to help come in and help people be held, hold them more accountable. I need, I need a better yeah. strategist. I need a better, a tougher manager. Well, the, the neat thing is, is that when I'm, when I do talk to, um, you know, typically I'm talking to, to C-suite executives about, you know, what's going on in their worlds and, um, everybody wants someone that is intrinsically motivated, right? We all want high achievers. We want everybody in the company to be that way. We know that's not realistic, but how do we get more of those people there? I think most people, most executives are interested in doing that. And I I do think the truth of it is most of them don't know how necessarily. They followed all the best books. You know, every time somebody throws a new uh, leadership book by me, I read it and I go, well, that's exactly this. It's just got a new name or, you know, (laughs) right? It's sort of the same thing kind of twisted around. Um, but I think, you know, I think we have to, in the third scenario, kind of lay out for them what they have been doing that's in, that's in alignment versus what needs to shift in order to get everybody on board, right? Because they may think that they've been doing it the right way, but then I think if we can point out the different things that they could do differently to kind of pivot, you know, it's almost like that. I can't walk in as a a turnaround specialist and go, well, you've really screwed this thing up. You know, I've got to go, well, here's what's working. Here's what's good. And here's where I think we have to shift it. And so I really think in those two scenarios, right, if they don't know how or they're at least trying, you can pivot people and provide them with additional tools to get them where they want to go. You know, the first one may be a lost cause. Let me ask you about a very specific scenario, and I'd love to hear your assessment of it in terms of the different intelligences. Okay. So we had a guest, I don't know, five months ago, Walt Rakowicz. Walt's a phenomenal human being, and I, our opinion, a phenomenal leader. He's got a great story of how he turned, he turned around a company that was on the brink through authenticity, vulnerability, transparency, all the things we're talking about. And yet he shared that when he first got in the CEO role, he had everybody do a 360 Mm -hmm. and the feedback came back that he was scored really low on empathy. And if you know, Walt, 
and he knows himself, you would go, what? Like, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. He was open to it. And uh -huh. he went deeper to say, help me understand. And what they came back with was you're running so fast because you're in this mm -hmm. save the company mode, yep. not making time for us. Hmm. And he listened to that and changed it. So wow, so he was an open, not only he sought the feedback, he was open to it. Because I, I can see a lot of leaders saying, no, no, I'm very empathetic. Everybody says so. And I would say that, but he right. was not showing up empathetic. Mm -hmm. And to me, that element there is about soul intelligence, mm -hmm. even more than emotional intelligence. Right. Well, he had to recognize within himself, you know, how what he was doing was, was push, pushing people too hard. And so was he willing to choose to be different? Was he willing to choose to show up differently? Right. Because the opportunity was really to save the company, which is what he was bought into. So the fact that he could at least take take stock and take inventory of himself and make a pivot um, is really exciting. And I'm sure the story goes and he was able to turn the company around. Right. Yeah, he did. Very much. <laughs> with a focus on with a awesome. singular focus on let's do right by our people. Amen. Yeah. There Even you go. though they were a public company, we're going to do right by our people and that will create a great outcome for our shareholders. It actually does. Like when you invest in people, um, you know, they're, they automatically, right. Become like more, more loyal. Um, you know, I was just working with this one company and you know, the, this, uh, there's a group and they were told by senior leadership, well, you're going to go through this program. So they could either go great. Do they see me like I'm a mess and I need help. And um, you know, this woman's going to totally, you know, tell us what we're doing wrong. And what I did is from the very start, I said, listen, you're, company is investing in you they are looking for their next level of senior leader Great and so start. they're willing to put you know put this much time effort and attention into your growth and your development um because they need you desperately and they want people to move on and move up and so it was a very you know talk about reframing right um but really trying to make sure that people started out on the right foot recognizing you know that they're they're the next level that's um, such a great way to start a, a training like that. So it, it yeah. helps them to say, oh, okay, well, maybe I ought to be engaged rather than sit back here and say, oh, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, quit riding the bus. Exactly. Yeah, well, I think that's an example of whether it's from that organization or likely a prior experience that people have, I call it employment baggage, which mm. are belief systems. Yes. About sure. employment and management and do I trust or not? And then if they're going to offer me this, they think there's something wrong with me. That's right. what they do. They offer right. this because there's something wrong with me because that's their experience. And a lot of, I told the group yesterday, a lot of times there's a disconnect. I said, don't assume your people are a blank slate. They come <laughs> yes. in here and you say, well, they must know we want the best for them because that's what we want. Well, they've, they've only been here five years. They had 20 years of another version of this yeah. and they don't walk in and immediately change their version. Well, it's really don't. interesting, Jeff. It kind of translates, you know, in terms of relationship and dating, right? Yeah. <laughs> At our age, nobody walks in without any baggage, right? We, got, right? we have to think about that, you know, just from a work perspective. That's a that's a great point. It's not well, just I, the they they're bringing; the it's all the world. other stuff. Yeah, I agree. Because in the dating world, if someone says I have no baggage and no drama, you run, run, I run. <laughs> I <know. laughs> I'm more likely to say I have baggage, I have drama, but I'm aware of it. Let me tell you what I'm aware of. Because if you say you have none, oh boy, oh boy, blind spot, blind spot. <laughs>
Christine, I want to go back because um, you opened up talking about the game changing index. And I really wanted to get some foundation here. I want to go back to that. You talked about the index. You talked about game changers were the innovators. Then you talked about the polishers. Can you talk more about it and some of the elements of this? Absolutely. I would be happy to. So um, with the game changing index, um, there are five main proclivities, like, you know, ways that you might, you might be bent. Um, you know, so I talked, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of a New York term, slightly one way. Um, and so we started out with the game changers. Okay. So so they're the innovators. They love anything that's new, hot. Wow. They're the visionaries. You want someone like that. Like when you're going to do something new and different or change management or engineers that think like that. Then the next group is what we call the strategists and the strategists loves to take those new ideas and work it into the strategy and find a way to make it come, you know, help the company achieve their goals. Then you've got the implementers. They're the people that want to hit the sales goal. They want to produce, produce the, the widget. They want to make sure that they get it done and they like the structure. And they tend to be the, well, we've always done it this way, people, that you have to sway if you're an, a game changer. And then, like I said, we've got the polishers. They're really focused on continuous improvement. So trying, always trying to find ways to make things even better, you know, at their worst, they're perfectionists, um, you know, but um, on the surface, a little healthy dissatisfaction is good, right? Because we want to be focused on continuous improvement. And then in the middle, you have what we call the playmakers. And the playmakers are those that orchestrate through other people. So they are heavily people focused and they're very collaborative in their thinking um, and wanting to bring a lot of people in, in terms of making decisions. So within each of those five main areas, you get a score of zero to 10, which mm-hmm. is why there's about a hundred thousand different potential combinations that you can come up with. But what's really cool about this is, you know, it's not just one of those things like, oh, I'm an ENFJ and I've got my personality type or the PI profile. <laughs> I'm a captain, you know, um, and then you forget about it, you know, like that was cool, but now what? So right. with the game changing index, what I love about it is it's even more impactful when you overlay that index on a team, a region, a division, or a company, because when you roll the profiles up, then you get to see if you've really hired in your own image, right? Um, people who actually think the way you do. And we tend to do that. But this is, um, you know, you might think you have a diverse team because you've got you know, every nationality, you know, you can think of on your team. But when you really look at it from an energy perspective and where people make the greatest impact in a contribution, you really want diversity of thought, right? And so even this diversity of what I would even dare say is like closer aligned with their soul intelligence, their natural way of being, their natural gifts, where they're going to help you move forward. Um, And like I said, it can, you know, the, the game changing index itself Um, can show you the greatest impact in an organization. You know, your top two gives me an idea on what your leadership style is. Um, It allows me to understand how you're creative and you can innovate, Um, how you will engage others and influence others, like how you like to get things done, certainly what organization you thrive in um, and how you'd work best in a team and who complements you. So ideally, if you're talking about change management or project management, you want one of everybody on your team, right? right? So you can actually use the index to put together agile teams to help move projects forward if you're aware of what somebody's index is. And there are major companies using this, like Nike and 
PwC, um, you know, and others like are actually using this, what they're calling an organometric, which is a new made up word, but um, a, a metric to use across an organization. So once you know your own profile, then it's really neat to use it um, to, to round out your team, right? And see where your gaps are. Where are our gaps on the leadership team? You know, Jeff, maybe they need an innovator, you know, who knows? Maybe we need a game changer on the, on the leadership team to get them to think about things differently. Well, I just love the name because it's okay. it's the same name as my my game, Game Changer um, Business Innovation Game. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. and that's why my company is the Game Changing Impact Group. You know, oh, okay. I, I, cool. I look, I you know, and like I said, I'm a game changer polisher, so it it makes sense why I was totally focused, um, you know, to be a a uh, change management specialist, a turnaround cool. specialist. Well, Christine, as, as we near the end of the conversation, a question I'm just really curious about, especially because it's a new phrase or a newer phrase, soul intelligence. I always wonder with someone like you, you're going into a company, are you talking about soul intelligence to them in terms of literally using the phrase or are you more of the, sometimes I call it the Trojan horse coach, <laughs> you're going to come in and talk about because you know, we talked about in the introduction, you're going to help companies and leaders have increased performance, consistency, and alignment, which they all want. They, that's their language. Mm-hmm. All listeners, not their language. They didn't, they didn't sit in a meeting last week and say, you know, I was thinking that we need to uh, <laughs> work on our soul intelligence here. Right. Right. So how, how just sort of, how do you come in the door from a message perspective? Well, um, it's a great question. And um, it's probably a little bit of both, Jeff. It depends on who I'm speaking to, right? Um, I've always had a way of being able to um, speak very real business language and kind of bring things around. And if you re- you know, recall our conversation, I talk about everybody and everything is energy. We know that from seventh grade science class. So that's where we start the conversation, right? Um, and I usually talk to people and and CEOs about, don't you want everybody lit up that's aligned with your mission, your vision, your values, and your purpose? You know, that that intrinsic motivation is what makes somebody want to run through the fire for you. And so it's not just the IQ or the EQ. It's really about tapping into their soul intelligence. So I do use it. Um, I use it in a way um, where I can describe the process that I'm going to take people through. Um, and it, honestly, it's part of, you know, it's the most important intelligence um, that people haven't really brought to the forefront yet. They know it. It's sort of like the unseen. We know it's there. We sense its presence, you know, <laughs> then we forget about it. Um, but we know it's there. And so I think, you know, my mission, I believe, is to really make this more of a mainstream concept. It is, you know, a movement, the soul intelligence movement that I'm really committed to um, getting people to understand. Because like we started the conversation, it's all about people. Um, and that's what drives people, the innate spark of the divine within them um, and, and getting them lit up um, and, and, and having work that's engaging, that they look forward to going to, that they're, they love working with their teams. Those are the leaders we want. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is, it is. I do talk about it um, in a variety of different ways, but I, I do want to be known as the soul intelligence coach. So we'll see. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Christine. We always close out our conversations with a few questions. One is, is there anything in particular you want to promote about what's going on with you or your business right now? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I am actually going to be holding um, a free masterclass 
if anybody is interested in that, they can, um, you know, send me an email or hit me up um, on Facebook or LinkedIn or on my website, um, gcimpactgroup.com, holding a free um, masterclass on Tuesday, May 18th at eight o'clock. Um, if anybody's interested in learning more about soul intelligence and what I do or how I do it from a group coaching or individual level, um, you could also hit me up um, in an email or uh, a direct message on any of those platforms. And what and what is your email? I have it, but what does it tell oh, everybody? It is K, my first initial, Glein, G-L-E-I-N, at gcimpactgroup.com. And it stands oh. for Game Changing Impact. All right. And uh, we always wrap up with a couple of signature questions. All right. Um, what I'm going to go with for you, I'm going to start with dinner. Dinner. Okay. Who's, uh, who's somebody living you want to have dinner with? And what's the one question you're going to ask them? Wow. Okay. Well, um, I think Sarah Blakely is an incredible um, accomplished businesswoman. I mean, she's a self-made billionaire. She um, went to Clearwater High School and I'm in Tampa. So I kind of did that, um, you know, um, in terms of uh, her, you know, her product lines, if you're not familiar with it, she owns the Spanx brands of, of clothing and um, big believer in undergarments from Spanx. I'm a big, I'm a big fan, but no, in terms of her, I just love how approachable she is. And she seems extremely down to earth. She's very people focused um, and very relatable. And so I think I would probably ask her, you know, how she how she um, managed the valleys on the way to the big peak of becoming um, the self-made billionaire she is today. I love that. I, I'm laughing because on the episode we recorded right before this one, we were talking about her husband, Jesse. Oh, get out! Jesse, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so thank you for that. The second question sure. is, I'm going to go with one of Craig and my favorites, the movies, ah. movies or television. What's the character scene, or maybe it's the whole movie that speaks to you about leadership? Well, I am going to throw you a wild card, but considering this interview is a little, you know, off your beaten path, um, I hopefully you'll like it. Um, I think um, one of the movies that resonates me with me the most about leadership is one you would not ordinarily associate with it. The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. You're, yes. Yes, um, I, I see it. You know, having worked for a narcissist or two in my career, <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel very, I relate very heavily to the young college grad that thinks she's found her all-time incredible job. Um, and you know, through the course of her relationship with this character, Amanda Priestley, which, you know, come on, Meryl Streep's amazing. Um, she does manage to finally get that person to come around and meets her unrealistic expectations, but then decides to follow her own soul intelligence and leave. But you're um, just like me. Right? <laughs> so, as she steps out the door of the so, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So I think that's it. I mean, the, the storyline really resonated with me and um, really kind of defines what I do. So, Well, I love that. And I will tell you what I love about that question is 
you are not the first person to throw curveballs. There have been so <laughs> many movies mentioned that I was like, I never would have thought of that in terms of leadership, but there's that scene or something. Oh, yeah. So that's why I love it. Someone gives me a new perspective. And every day, if I get a new perspective, that's a great day. So thank you for giving us some new perspectives and our listeners, Christine, and most important, thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. It matters. Amen. Thank you. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.